Why should you stop starting an online business just to make money online when you can buy one instead? Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Ryan Condi, who focuses on acquiring, growing, and holding online businesses for the long term. He started eight businesses where six failed and two succeeded. He's also bought four businesses and continues to grow these businesses whilst working as an M&A advisor at Quiet Light Brokerage. In this podcast episode, Ryan and I talk about his story and how he transitioned from starting businesses to buying them. We also talk about how Ryan has been able to skip multiple years ahead in business just by buying websites and what that looked like for him and how you can do that for yourself as well. We also talk about what type of businesses Ryan bought and why they had a higher success rate than actually starting them from scratch. We also talk about why starting a business is actually really, really hard. And then we move into how hard you know doing due diligence on a website can be when you can actually become emotionally attached to a business you're looking investing. We talk about a bunch of things like mistakes Ryan's, Ryan's made doing due diligence, mistakes that I've made. We also um, talk about why you shouldn't buy multiple businesses too quickly and what you can do instead. Uh, we also talk about uh, a content site that Ryan asked me a question on my podcast, which I think is absolutely awesome, and I want to thank him for that. He asked me about a content site that he was looking at buying and what I would do if I were to buy that or maybe why I should or shouldn't buy that content business. We talk about so much more in this episode. It's such a valuable episode. You guys are absolutely going to love it. Go away and enjoy. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites, but don't want to drop $20,000 on your first investment? Check out Odie's where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odie's done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium age domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.global to check out their great deals. That's odys.global. Link will be in the description too. Ryan, long time coming. Thanks so much for jumping on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Jared. It's been a few months. It seems like it's been a couple of years, but it's probably only been a few months. So, well, it may actually be more than a year. You know? Oh, maybe it is more a year. Yeah. I don't. I can't even remember last time we. It must have been in maybe in 2020. To be honest, wow, that's bad. Bad on my part. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, it's all good. I'm excited to connect. There's a lot to catch up on. I'm sure. I know. I know. Um, We'll try and we'll try and condense everything that we talk about to be very valuable on, on the podcast, and we have more time off air um, than great as well. But um, yeah, like there's so much to ask people that are listening. Obviously, as you know, wanting to buy businesses, um, you know, 
you, in your profile uh, um, across across the web, you said you you've, you started a bunch of businesses. You've had two that have worked. Is it you started eight, two worked, and and uh, six have failed? Uh, yeah, technically. So um, yeah, a little bit of backstory. I, I've done a lot of entrepreneurial things from e-commerce to. I started a candy factory in 2014 and, and built that up to tons of wholesale accounts. And I think it's in about 8,000 stores uh, here in the US. So everything from e-commerce to content sites to you know the kind of the brick and mortar traditional route where we're manufacturing candy with you know 100 employees and things like that. Um, and I just realized over time that um, the businesses that I bought had a much higher success rate than the ones that I had started from scratch. And a lot wow. of, you know, some of those, uh, when you start from scratch, you're able to kind of cut ties pretty fast and you don't end up losing too much. But I did start a business a long, long time ago with pickleballs, way before pickleball was a thing. I don't know if it's big down in Australia, but it's it's just growing gangbusters like crazy here. And uh, I ended up with 20,000 pickleballs in my in my garage at one point. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah, so I I have had success starting companies, but I have a much higher success acquiring companies. And so, you know, that's yeah. why I just went all in on, on acquiring because I realized I, I could identify a good deal and I knew how to grow companies. And a yeah. lot of times I was losing all my energy starting something from scratch and it would take me a year or two or three to kind of get it going. And I just realized, hey, can I just jump in at year three or year five? And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that was kind of how I got into buying businesses. And I stumbled upon my first one and said, hey, this is, I'm having way more success doing this than I am, uh, uh, you know, starting from scratch. It's better. It's definitely, I'm the same as you. I just struggled. Like, I mean, you, you, probably have more success for, than me in the startup realm. Like I was just crap at it, to be honest, and seriously struggled. It made a bit of money, but it wasn't really anything worth to talk about, talking about. Um, but that's why I want to, you know, that's why I opened up. It's like, you know, why, why buy? Um, you know, I want to hear your take on why buying um, versus starting from scratch. Maybe we start with like, why is it so hard starting from scratch? Yeah, so I would say like, when I think about buying, it's uh, or when it, when you start a business from scratch, Jared, it's like you've got ten thousand problems, right? And it's like everything from you got to get a domain and a logo, and these are simple things that you can do quickly, but it just problem after problem after problem, and then you don't even know if you've got product market fit, and then yeah. all of the different things that go into to finding if this works, right? And you might it might turn out that your product is off. You got to find suppliers. You got to you know, and that's just on the e-commerce realm or if you're starting content from scratch, you know, you're finding the right writers or you're writing everything yourself and you don't really know if it's going to work. You know, there are MVPs or minimum viable product. I had to remember what that was, MVP, to like um, get launched. But a lot of times, like most of those, you, you just, you're, you're taking a lot of swings, right? You're, you're swinging at every pitch that comes and not everything is going to work, right? And so when I, kind of the light switched for me when I, when I bought a business in 2012, that was my first business. I'd reached out to the owner directly. He, of course, didn't want to sell the business, Jared. So I just said, hey, you know, like I've got a couple ideas for your business. And I just kept calling him every two weeks. And three or four months later, he's like, hey, like you seem pretty excited about this business. I'm ready to move on. Let's make a deal, you know? Wow. Um, and by that point, we had built up the trust. And, and after taking over that first business, I kind of stumbled upon it. Um, I realized if I had to learn 
what he was doing to manufacture the product, if I had to learn the design aspect, if I had to launch the site, and this is 2012, like, you know, Shopify was kind of the thing, but, you know, not as much. Like, it wasn't as easy as it used to be. If I had to do all those things, I estimated that it would have taken me two years to get to the same point where he was at already. And so I thought, well, I just saved two years of my life, if not more, by by acquiring this business. Um, and it, so that's that's what kind of when that that light bulb turned on. I thought, wow, if I can skip the first five years and come in when I've still got a lot of energy and a lot of ideas for this business, I just want to continue growing it from there. So that was that first lesson, and that's kind of been the case for most of the ideas and opportunities that I've just been a part of is um, you can grind away at the beginning and that is right for a lot of people, especially if you have zero capital. But on the flip side, um, to me, the greatest resource we all have is time because we're not getting any more of it. And so if I can save two years of my life and get to year three in a business and save those first two years and add those on the back end, absolutely, I'd rather do that. So that's kind of been my my mantra of, of starting. I also realized like, a lot of my friends, a lot of them are entrepreneurs, right? We hang out in a lot of the circles where, you know, we're hanging out and surrounding ourselves with entrepreneurs. We all have tons of ideas. And the hardest part is really which idea is going to work. Mm. Whereas if you're buying a business, there are turnarounds. And I think that's for like a special breed. I'm not necessarily a turnaround guy. But if the business made money yesterday and it's made money for the last three years or five years, Jared, or 10 years, whatever it is, I think I'm at least smart enough to keep it making money tomorrow. You know, I'm not going to go in and break anything. And so that's kind of how it's been my approach. And I think on the flip side too, the argument that we see a lot, Jared, is, well, why would anybody sell a perfectly good business? And (laughs) the answer is like, everybody has a different reason. I've sold lots of businesses and a lot of them weren't that bad. I sold a business not too long ago that was growing 30 to 40% year over year. I just was ready to move on. I'd been running it for four and a half years and it was time for me to move on. And um, I wasn't putting that much time into the business anymore. I was putting in about five to six hours a week. Uh, but I was thinking about the business a lot. I was taking up a lot of my mental headspace. And so there are good businesses out there. Um, it's just, you know, not it's not always someone selling because the business is tanking and falling off a cliff. That's a myth. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, a, a guy in my mastermind, um, he bought a business a year ago. Uh, we've doubled the business. You know, it's like 115k. He bought it and then doubled the business. About to list it. Um, you know, 200k or more. Uh, and everybody else in the mastermind is like, "What are you doing? Like, you've just worked with Jared to build a system that takes five hours per week to run." And you don't even run it. You hired somebody to run that system for you, and it's growing the business. They're like, "What? Like you can't, you can't sell now, man. You can't sell now." Um, and he's like, "Look, I just, I, I want the money for a property." I'm like, oh, well, "Everyone's like, all right, cool, do it." Like, there's that but many people got, out he's there. He's got the just, skill set to do it again. You know, yeah, like he can repeat that yet. process. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is like. He, he can do that again and he can sell, he can buy another one for 100K and then put that other 100K into a, a property deposit, you know? Um, and that's, the that's you know, I'm glad that you, you said that you get that question. Um, I should just let you keep asking the questions and make my job easier because <laughs> we're in the same, spa- we're in the same space. Like we, we know the, the common questions, right? Um, so- well, a lot of things, I guess on that same note, like you're saying, like he, he bought the site for X and he's selling it for 2X. Um, yeah. You forget that the, the 
to 12 to 18 months in the middle, he still was making money in in the middle of it too. So um, I, that's the part I love is like, it, it wasn't that he like set money aside and never made any money and now he's making money only when he sells. Yes, you do make most of your money when you typically exit, especially in online business. Mm. Um, on the flip side, he was paying himself probably at least some sort of wage or had some sort of income coming in during that process. So he was making his money back in the short term and then um, on the flip side, he's got this you know big exit that's coming. I think the the real value is what you mentioned before is that year of learning how to buy and grow a business is like that can be more valuable than the money he made buying and selling and even you know like that's that's the value (laughs) because that doesn't go away the money can go away right yeah it's interesting you say that because i would say um when you first start out, you're starting on smaller stuff because you think mm. it's less risky. And ultimately, we all know the smaller the business, the riskier it is of like going to zero. But you know, yeah. if you're spending ten grand or, or some smaller amount on a business, it's okay if it kind of goes to zero because it's usually not going to, you know, be you're not going to lose your house or end the world or anything. Um, but what I what I found with that too is you have these stepping stones, and part of it's confidence, and then part of it is your skill set. So. Yes, he's done this with one site. Now we can go back and do it again for the same size or he can go bigger. But he's got this skill set when he did it at a level that he felt comfortable with and everybody's got different levels. And so, you know, I, I, there, there's an acquaintance I know who's who sold his first business for like 10K and then it's continually, he sold four or five more businesses and they've all gotten progressively like two to three times larger each time. You, mm. you start doing the math and they start to get pretty interesting, but he's kind of worked his way up in that process. Yeah, congrats to him. It's really cool. Like, that's where everybody is that's listening um, or, or wanting to get in this space. Is starting off like, let's buy something for 10, 20, 30K or whatever. You know, some people are at a different level. Maybe they can buy something at 80 or 100. Start there and then work on that. I think if you buy too many too close together, you make your job and life a lot harder. I'm going to put my hand up for that, Ryan, because. <laughs> I bought one business. <laughs> yeah, man. I bought one business and I was like, cool, I'm making this much money from this business. Let me go away and buy another one. And I just thought about how much money can I make and how many businesses do I need? Uh, that was my thought process at the time. What, you know, why do you go down that track as well? Same thing. Um, I think entrepreneurs get the, the shiny object syndrome or they're like, you know, like I have a dog and he chases squirrels. It's like, he's always looking for the next squirrel, you know? Um, I, I would say it's like, um, you do want to, so a lot of people probably listening to, to your podcast and, and listening to you, Jared, want to build a portfolio and that's mm-hmm. great. I do. Um, I think that's a great path. That's the path I've gone down. It's the path you've gone down. Um, but it doesn't help anybody out to buy a bunch of sites in a short amount of time, um, unless you've got the team in the back end. like you, you've got to be really buttoned up. Um, you really want to run and operate that site for a few months, even six months, right? Before you start feeling like you've got everything under your belt. And sometimes it's even a year. And so that yeah. you can build up that portfolio, but um, if you do it too fast, and I've seen people try to acquire, you know, three larger sites in three months, and things kind of blow up, and you don't have the right systems in place, and instead of just doing really well with one of them, all of a sudden you're doing really bad at all three of them, and that's yeah. that's exactly what you don't want to do. So take your time, and and it's okay to to, to pass on opportunities. I I think it was Richard Branson who said once, Jared, that uh, businesses are like buses. There's always another one coming, so don't rush into them. You'll find another site. There there almost is no site that is like this is the end all be all. So just don't rush into things. That's a good. That's a really good piece of advice, Ryan. Thanks for saying that because. <clears throat> People that 
come to this space, I don't know if you see the same thing and they're like, oh my God, I can make, ex- like this business costs this much money and I can make this much money and it takes me one to five hours a week to run that business. Like, let's do it and miss so many things. And even when they are excited through the due diligence process, they're trying to trying to prove the business is a good investment, right? Like, I, I, I like, oh, this is, this is a good investment. Like, I'm just going to do all the due diligence and make sure it checks the boxes. Uh, but I think that's a bad approach to have is proving the business is a good investment. I think what's better to do is to prove the business is a bad investment in your due diligence. And if you can't, then you must buy, right? Which I, I love that. Uh, I, I like how you've kind of flipped that on its head too. And that's something I, I haven't really thought about, but yeah, it's almost like if you can identify why it's bad, you can hurry and move on. Um, but I have seen this, and I've done this myself too, where you get into and you're like, I put this much time or this much effort into the due diligence yes. and you start falling in love with the deal. I was just talking to a friend earlier today and he kind of fell in love with the deal and it just it just wasn't a good deal anymore. And he decided like, hey, I need to cut my ties, even though he'd spent a little bit of money on legal, spent some money on some other things and doing due diligence, his age refs and some other things. Mm. And um, he just decided it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. And it was better for him to, to lose out on maybe a thousand or 2000 bucks than it was to make this large purchase and um, have it then blow up. You know, I always say it's like, you want to buy the right business and the right site for you. And the worst case scenario is buying the, a bad business. The worst case scenario is not missing a business. The worst case scenario is buying a bad business that then all of a sudden you're you yeah. know, six months from now, you're in big trouble and it's like, this thing's tanking. So, you know, I don't, don't fall in love with the deal and it's okay to walk away from, from a deal that you thought was good. You put some time and effort into it. New information comes to light and you're like, this is not the best deal for me. Ah, uh, so good. Like it is a transaction. And if we get emotional and I've talked to so many different people that you all know in our industry about the emotions that come up when we're buying a business. Um, even if we are trying to be transactional uh, and love him or hate him, um, depends on where you stand with this guy um, because he's an he's an odd oddball. Um, but Donald Trump says sometimes the best investments are the ones that you don't make. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, it's funny. So so recently I, I bought a new home and um, congrats. My, my wife throughout the whole process. Thank you. My wife the whole throughout the whole process is why aren't you so nervous and calm? And I'm like I don't know. Doing all these businesses deals on the side, I've just realized to remove all emotion. It's like. Eh, if we get it, great. If we don't, we'll find another house, you know? And yeah. that was not, <laughs> she, she was not like that. It was very emotional for her. And I was like, this is a transaction. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is pretty special to be, for you to be in those, in that position. Because I think most people buying a home um, is a big, a big emotional decision, right? But sometimes, I guess, energetically, if you're not emotionally attached, but energetically doesn't mean you don't want it as well um, or it's it's right or wrong to disregard it. But I think energetically, sometimes the right thing is going to happen, right? Like if you're meant to buy the house or meant to buy that business, it's going to happen without you willing it to happen with your emotions. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I think that's like a just I wanted it to happen, but I also like was able to detach and remove some of the emotion that was tied to it. Mm. And I think that's important too. Is it's okay to want it, but you're detaching yourself from it. Um, Jared, I, I got a I don't know what, what other questions you have, but I got a question for you, yeah. and um, this could be helpful for audiences. So I just placed um, an LOI, I placed an offer on a business, 
it kind of fell through and doesn't look like it's going to go. Um, mm-hmm. This was a content site doing about, I don't know, 50K a year. So we were paying about a 3X for it. So 150. Um, cool. not, not a huge amount, but like we felt like there was some, some really good opportunities to grow this thing. It was tied to that person's brand. So I'm curious Personal to what name. you see. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, um, it, it could easily be rebranded, but we are going to have to switch it from one domain to another and kind of do a little bit of a refresh there. I'm curious to what you think about those opportunities because we still like the business and like the opportunity. We knew we'd taken some risk on it, but um, what do you typically see when you see a site that has, you know, and it wasn't like it was video or anything. It was like courses, like you couldn't replace them. It was more like their name was in it, but people weren't necessarily going to the domain for them, but we wanted to remove them and their face from the domain. So what are your thoughts on something like that? Man, that's such a good question. And thanks for asking that. I don't like to buy businesses based on opportunity. Uh, I think it's just crazy because yeah. every single business has opportunity. Uh, and in fact, what I like to do is when I want to, when somebody comes to me and wants to grow a business, whether they bought it with me or they've just built it themselves or bought it somewhere else, doesn't matter. Um, they've got this growth strategy that they think is going to going to work that they've picked up from some podcast or YouTube channel or whatever it is. Um, but the best growth strategy I believe in any business is the de-risking strategy is how do you de-risk that business? Uh, and how do you listen to that business and tune into that business? Because life is giving us feedback businesses. Our businesses are giving us feedback. They're telling us what we should do more of and what we should do less of. And that's, that's the best growth strategy for those types of businesses. What's working in this business that you're looking at purchasing may not actually be um, changing the domain name because there may be hidden things that we can't see. Um, And it may not be actually removing that personal's brand. It sounds like the personal brand isn't a big part of it, which is really good. But I like to really buy, not based on opportunity, but based on risks. And what are the risks of changing that domain over? Um, you lose DR, which isn't a huge thing depending on, I mean, I guess this is a content site, probably is a, a big thing for a content site, DR, right? Um, yeah. Then you, there's also the things of all the backlinks, depending on how many good backlinks you have. There could be a good side to it if you change over that domain and you got a lot of spammy backlinks. It could be a good thing, right? But you are going to lose authority uh, because then you have to, basically, you're starting to rebuild the, you're basically starting to rebuild the business from scratch in terms of who's the target demographic um, for the for the brand that you're starting. Because you're starting a new brand for the business, but you're selling the same product, right? So you found product market yeah. fit, you want to know who the demographic is, but you've still got to, you've got to resell them on your new brand and your new domain, which to me is a risk well, because- if you were to go away yeah. and spend 150k on a business that didn't have to do that, you wouldn't have to waste your time and money on the changeover, and you could hold that business for one to two years and grow it without having to do those added things like what we may have to do if we're starting something from scratch. Yes. Yeah, so, so, Jared, I was sorry. There's a little bit of a delay. I was talking over you. No, that is sorry. super helpful feedback. And one thing I didn't mention it was we had a big portion of a holdback that was going to be paid in 12 months based on. 
okay. the the revenue and whether it's going to be met or whether there's going to be a big dip or dig, big drop. So like mm. we kind of protected ourselves a little bit that way. But I, I like what you said. It's like you don't want to buy something based on you know potential or potential opportunity because you know ultimately we were just talking about bus businesses are like buses. There's a new one coming, so you know we could mm. take that same effort we're putting into this side and actually put it into something else. So no, that's super helpful. I just want to pause this episode for an immediate update. Online business owners and website investors, please note that SEO and digital marketing is changing forever. 2022 will not be the same as 2021, so you can't miss the Buying and Building Online Businesses Summit. This is a free virtual event, and we're going live on January 28th, 2022, with 12 world-class speakers from CEO Flipper Blake Hutchinson. Motion Invest co-founder John Gilham, e-commerce mastermind Mike Jackness, SEO expert Stephen Spencer, godfather of content marketing Joe Paluzzi, and many, many more. Don't get left behind when buying or growing your online business in 2022. We're going live on January 28th. So register at buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash online summit. That's buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash online summit. Link will be in the description too. See you there. Yeah, like this is the thing that people like. It's a good thing. I, I call um, as entrepreneurs, we're opportunity hunters, right? And I think it is a good thing to be an opportunity hunter, but it's a double-edged sword really because when we come to see a business that is not doing as not doing as well as uh, you know say a 100k business that has you know fallen back a little bit in traffic and rankings if it's a content site um, versus a 100k business that has a good solid trend uh, you know you may be like all right cool there's an opportunity to you know this business that is declining it was making so much more money before it started declining a little bit it doesn't need to be a huge drop off but it can be a slow decline over a year or two uh, you see all right I'm an entrepreneur, I've got the good energy, I can make this work, right? Like what you said at the start is you're not the the turnaround guy. I'm not the turnaround guy either. My goal isn't to, and this is going to sound weird for a lot of people, my goal isn't to just buy businesses in life and make money. My goal is less stress, right, and more time, which we talked about before, like the best resource that you said is, is t- that we have is time. And so if you're, wait, if you're spending time on trying to turn something around, it can be a total waste when you can spend the same amount of money on something else that's already got a good growth trajectory and then you just tweak a few things that are already working. You find the 80-20 and focus on that. And that's my philosophy. And it doesn't need to be something that everybody needs to adopt. Uh, but that's that's the way I feel about it. And you could have made this work, right? You're a smart dude, Ryan. You, you've, you've done this stuff before. Um, but your time is probably better spent with your kids and your dog and your partner, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's a good point. So maybe I don't feel so bad about losing out on this offer. So <laughs> maybe yeah, me feel I mean, better about it. <laughs> the buses will, the buses will, you know, come through again, and you know, you find find another one. You know, you want some, a, an extra set of eyes on it or questions? Just you know, let me know as well. Um, I want to pause. I want to pause the recording now, just for yourself, Ryan, and the editor. I think what we do is I like to only release podcasts in like twenty to thirty minutes. So how about cool. we call that part one, and then we call this part two? You cool with that? If you're able to do an extra twenty minutes or so? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, sweet. 
So I wanted to ask you um, about some of the hard things that you've experienced when buying your businesses that you've bought or, you know, even working with, you know, who you are working now with Quiet Light and stuff like that. What are some of the hard things that you see people go through that you've been through that you could have advised them on that to, to keep a level head? Yeah, so I'll start with the ones that I've done and some of the mistakes that I've made and things I would have done differently looking back. Um, and then let me dive into just what I'm kind of seeing in the market and you know things to be aware of or if I was a buyer, what, what questions I would ask. And so first off is um, I've done lots of different types of acquisitions from e-commerce to content sites to you know kind of custom software and a variety of things. I probably have done more e-commerce acquisitions. And so I would say my background is more on the e-commerce side. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, e-commerce, one of the mistakes that I made was not really understanding the quality of the product. So, you know, if you are looking at an e-commerce business, buy that product, get a free product from the seller, whatever you need to do, but but use it. And if you don't know how to use it or you're not familiar with that industry, like you got to find someone who is and test that thing and test it and test it. Um, and one of my businesses that kind of came back to bite me a little bit because the stitching was bad and it didn't last as long. And that's why we were getting some bad reviews on the flip side. When I made the next acquisition, I tested it like crazy. And of course everything came out perfectly and the stitching was perfect and it was great, a great supplier. But I just look at me taking over a product based business. If you're going to, you need to test that product. And if you don't know how to test it yourself or, you know, you don't play that sport or you don't know how to use that baby item or you don't have any kids get someone who does and just try to break it. Cause that, mm. that was one thing that I had uh, made some mistakes on. Um, another thing I made some mistakes on is anytime you're buying um, a website with any, any sort of custom code, you want to get multiple opinions on the code. Cause I have bought businesses that have some code dead in there. You're laughing. It's, yeah. it's tricky, right? And I'm not technical. I don't know how to code. I basically, you know, it's, it, it might as well be another language to me. Right. Um, <laughs> You really want to get multiple opinions and it's going to cost money during your due diligence, but you'll save money by buying the right business and save money by hiring the right people after the fact or bringing the right people onto your team if you get multiple opinions. And so anything there's a piece and I think that's like all encompassing. It's not just code debt, but any anything of the business that you're looking at that you don't understand, it could be Google PPC, Facebook advertising, could be SEO, could be content writing, whatever it is, bring someone else, hire them, whatever that is, uh, even to run a report so that during due diligence and then afterwards, you kind of know exactly what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. And in that process of due diligence, Jared, what I typically do is I'll have two or three people or two or three agencies or, or businesses do that report during due diligence. And I'm using that report as basically their interview process. Mm-hmm. Um, and with one of my acquisitions a couple of years ago, I thought this guy was going to be a home run and I ended up getting two opinions and the report he gave me was terrible. I couldn't understand anything. It didn't make any sense. It was a terrible report. And the other guy that I kind of brought on last second, I still work with him. He is absolutely fantastic. And I use that due diligence process as like a, an interview process too. So um, that's probably what I would say is like some of the things that I've learned is, you know, re- if there's anything within the business, really dive into it. And that gives you an opportunity to, to interview other people who can then help you out after the fact. Um, and wow. in terms of like, so, so full disclosure, I'm a, I'm a broker, I'm an advisor with quiet light brokerage. You know, you can find us at quietlight.com. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with a lot of our listings or whatever, um, depending upon what you're looking for. Um, I would say what, one of the things I would, um, that, that I've seen people make mistakes with is um, 
not truly understanding the supply chain. And I know we're all kind of laughing right now. It's the end of 2021 when we're filming this, but that that is a that is a big piece that a lot of people kind of skim over and say, oh, you've got a supplier, you're covered. Um, I've had supplier issues before and you have got to be on a flight and you've got to go wherever they're at, right? Mm. That is a lot harder in 2021 to be able to just pick up and show up at a supplier. And now as we're seeing with the supply chain and those types of issues, you've got to be really dialed in of where did the raw materials come from that then hit the supplier who then makes whatever you're making and then how does that get to you, right? Or how does that get to the Amazon warehouse or your 3PL, your third-party logistics? Um, and you want to ask way more questions than you think in that space. Mm. And I have found a lot of times people just kind of gloss over that. But if you're selling a product and your suppliers, and you've only got one supplier for it, or there's only one supplier in the world who can make it, that's a lot of risk. You know, supplier concentration is is, is a big risk there. Mm. On the flip side, you know, if you can find another supplier in a different country or in a different continent, it can help offset. And, you know, you've got listeners all over the world, Jared. So I have a lot of businesses that have switched manufacturing from Asia and moved them to Mexico because here in the, in the United States, that's easier for shipping. You're just crossing a border. There's no boats. Uh, there's awesome. no airplanes. It's There's a lot less taxes just based on, our. I guess, our governments get along better. I don't know, whatever. But I would say the biggest thing people don't understand is the supply chain. And I see it uh, you know, as a, as an advisor, I try to be as clear as upfront, but we can only be so much clear, but from a due diligence standpoint, most buyers aren't doing the correct due diligence that they need to, that I would feel comfortable now with making the mistakes that I've made and seeing how I, I I've had friends have, uh, you know, four or five containers fall off a boat in the middle of the Pacific ocean. I've had other friends where their supplier, uh, the manufacturing firm burned down. I've had other friends who've had suppliers just completely cut them out and say, Oh, we got a, you know, we got a order from the North face. You you're gone. Like we're not going to work with you anymore. And all of a sudden you're scrambling because you can't get orders in. So I would be, I would say the biggest thing is going to be supply chain is really understanding that. And you got to have your second and your third options lined up. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. Like, Single source dependency is such a big thing that I've learned from a guy named James Shramko in Australia. Um, he's a really smart entrepreneur. And it's not just people think single source dependency on like traffic from Google or traffic from yeah. Facebook ads. But it's, it's really about, you know, if, if you've lost your, um, your product from North, because North Face came in and said, we're going to use this whole manufacturer you don't have a business. Like imagine, <laughs> imagine that when you've just bought the business two months in, that's devastating. Yeah, it? you nailed it. You're exactly right. And so, um, I, I would say like anytime I am looking at a business as a buyer, um, I, I always see myself as a buyer first. I, I've always been a buyer. I'm always, you know, approaching things as if I was a buyer. Mm. The biggest thing is you really want to understand where the bottlenecks are, where those dependencies are. Cause it's obvious with content that you're like, oh, it's Google traffic or it's Pinterest or whatever, where the traffic sources are. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, people forget about um, – uh, it also could be ingredient. Like, you know, I've had people have issues with copper, right? Like, we just couldn't mm -hmm. get copper for a few months. So if your product was mainly 
copper, then you could be totally screwed. So you have to look at all these dependencies and isolate them. And it could be supplier, it could be traffic, it could be ingredient uh, or raw material. And there's a variety of things. But you know, ultimately, there's a reason why a lot of these businesses are sold at a two to four X is, you know, there's there's a lot of risk to them. It's not like Coca-Cola or IBM, which can you know, weather some of these storms, you know, these are smaller businesses. These are sub $2 million businesses. A lot of the ones that you and I look at Jared, and, yeah. um, there, there's a reason why you're paying a two or three or a four X for these things, because there are these inherent risks with them. So that is it for part one of this episode with Ryan in part two, we have so much good stuff to share. We talk about how you can actually get started buying an established business, what mistakes Ryan made uh, when buying businesses, what mistakes I made, and what you can learn from us so you don't make those same mistakes. We also talk about important things like how much should you spend on your first business? Very common question. We also talk about what type of business should you, you should be buying for your first business. We also talk about what type of business you should not be buying. We move into talking about what you should do if you want to quit your job and then what you should do if you just want to make a little bit of extra money through buying websites. And then Ryan goes through and shares two examples uh, of two friends of his, one who bought a business at five grand and one who bought a business at around 2.5 mil and why they may be better businesses for each of those different people with where they're at in their own journey and how you can relate to those different stages in, in your own journey. Ryan and I also talk about how we transition into working with Quiet Light as an advisor and how Ryan and I actually worked out what skills we've been better at as entrepreneurs and what you can do to work out what skills you're better at as an entrepreneur and how you can outsource those other skills that you don't actually like. Uh, so we also talk about at the end of the episode, how what the, st- the current state of the industry is, how it's grown and where it could be headed as well. This is such a a valuable episode part two so make sure you listen to it but if you're actually serious about wanting to buy a business ryan and i talk about due diligence so much it's so critical to do due diligence really well so make sure you go away and get my personal due diligence framework that i and my clients use that has saved us hundreds of thousands in mistakes so it just basically takes the guesswork out of doing due diligence and you can get that by going to my website buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources, or you can click the link in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening, and I'm thrilled to share with you part two, so stay tuned for that.